2007, um, I took a trip to Ethiopia. And you might have heard, I've, I've had, it was mostly, it's my sermon, it's my trip where most of my bad sermon analogies come out of. What I mean is like, everything that I did wrong in life happened on that trip. Uh, so you'll hear about them one at a time as you come to New Hope Kailua. That's a promise. So when the first time I ever had Ethiopian food was in Ethiopia. Anybody ever had Ethiopian food before? It's fantastic. It is amazing. But here's a, well, if you've never had Ethiopian food, here's what it looks like. Here's a picture. Um, when you sit together uh, and eat in Ethiopia, they have these rolled up bread called injera. It's like a fermented like sponge bread that they roll up. You use your hands, you take a little piece of bread, and you grab all those little spicy, beautiful mixes of, of wonderful food, and you just cram it all into your little bread cra- grasp and just stuff it in your mouth. Like, that's, that's how you do it. But the thing is, you have one plate, and it feeds everybody. So it's a big plate. It's like this. Like, bug is big. But it's, you, you just got to be sure that you're aware of, of your surroundings. How many people are at your table? Who am I sharing this with? So when we sat down, classic American mode, I'm like, this is amazing. And I just mowed. And I started, like, unrolling these doughs, like, whoop, like red carpets, right? And it's just like, whoop, 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 just stuffing my face. And people around me were just kind of like, oh, Mark must be hungry or whatever. And I just thought, like, okay, great, great meal, spicy, beautiful, delicious. We're all sharing, so we're sitting around a round table. Everyone's hands are going in the pot. We're sharing germs. Great time. So we're just having this beautiful time sharing Ethiopian food. I get back to our hotel, and one of my friends is like, ah, Mark, um, I just wanted to let you know. I don't know if you noticed, uh, but so-and-so didn't get enough food. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and actually, so-and-so did, too. Oh, oh yeah, and, and, and her, too. Yeah, everybody was watching you, but um, we didn't want to get in the way, but basically you were eating everything. <laughs> and you guys, I was on a team of like seven people. Like there was a lot of us. And what I didn't realize was that in other cultures, they, they live by different principles. When you live in a more communitarian culture, you live by different principles. Like places like Japan and stuff are really, are really like solid on this. Is that when you eat, and they, they taught me this, when you eat in Ethiopia, you're always looking at other people. So you're not just looking at your plate. We're used to like you know, put in America, put my food on my plate. You don't touch my plate. This is my plate, right? Unless it's like kids, and kids, you know, kids will eat off your plate. But this is my plate. I eat my plate, and if I'm done, I go back for more, put it on my plate, and I eat it. There's a different requirement, a different responsibility when you're sharing one big plate with everybody. I missed it. <laughs> so in my selfishness and in my hunger, I wasn't aware of the hunger of other people on the table. And they were being kind for me, but um, I just remember going back and, and him, one of my friends showing me, he's like, Mark, see, as you eat, then stop, breathe, right? We don't learn this in America. Nobody teaches us to breathe in between bites. So I stop and I breathe, and as I'm breathing, I'm watching other people, and we're dialoguing, and that's actually how meals are supposed to be shared. We're talking, we're eating casually, I'm not just like, like I need to get at it. Like, eating is always a challenge for me, like I need to get at it. Um, but they told me, slow down, watch other people, be aware, open your eyes, see what other people, are they done? Did they put their napkin down? Okay, now you can have more because most people seem to be done. There is just a, a regulating principle that there's other people here and that there's a, bigger, a, a, there's a bigger mission than me being fed. The bigger mission is that all of us need to be fed. Amen? <laughs> we miss this in America a lot of times. And um, we've, if, you, if you don't know anything about our country... Uh, Western countries tend to be hyper-individualistic. And it's one of, I believe, one of the biggest threats to our faith, if we don't catch it, is that the focus is on me, the focus is on you. And so as we talk about being people of purpose, 
we're trying to bring back this idea that actually my purpose is connected to your purpose. And our purpose is all intertwined together in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture is telling us. So I can't eat for myself and say, God's blessing me. Look how awesome I am while my neighbor is starving. I've totally missed my purpose. Are you, catching, are you tracking with me? So here's a, um, here's a picture. If you're curious how countries, and sorry, it's really small. You probably can't even read those words. I, I, forgive me. I'll read them for you. The number one, the top countries are the most individual, individualistic countries in the world as it goes down to, and this is not all the countries in the world here, but there's just some charted. But number one is actually Israel, and there's a whole explanation for that. Israel is actually the most individualistic country in the world. Right under that is Canada, USA, Denmark, Netherlands, Finland, Australia, Spain, UK, Sweden. They're all uh, Western countries, European countries. Look at the bottom. The most communitarian countries, Egypt, Mexico, India, Japan, France, China, France. How'd you sneak down there? You should be up there with us. But anyway, here's the, here's the idea. Is sometimes we miss a whole different perspective that the scripture actually gives us, which is this. That in Christ together, we oftentimes miss that we need to see the needs of others around us as a way of accomplishing our own needs, right? So in a, a communitarian, not communist, right? People think like, no, a communitarian mindset says, if I take care of all those around me, I'm going to trust that they're going to take care of me too. But an individual mindset says, if I take care of my needs, you take care of your needs, then we'll all be fine, right? But what you miss in that, even though it's good for personal responsibility, what we miss in that is the interreliance on each other, which scripture has a lot to say about it. So we're going to open our Bibles. Today's topic is called People of Unity. To find our purpose, we have to actually recognize what unity is. What does it mean to be unified? So we all just believe the same thing, right? Or is there something deeper to it? Is there a spiritual component that draws us together and binds us up, that we are forever together because of something Christ has done? This is what the Bible answers for us. So but biblical unity... Um, have, there's four words in the New Testament that we see coming alive to explain this concept of being together and finding our purpose and our meaning in life, kako, together. Number one is this, is oneness. The Bible talks a lot about oneness, that the man and the woman should leave their families and become one flesh, and they're tied together, and they covenant together. We become one. We become one with our families. We become one in our church. The people of Christ become one. There's oneness, oneness, oneness. Number two is unity and bonding. And the word there, there's a lot of different Greek words that they kind of translate into these. Unity and bonding is like this, this visual of like tethering things together. That when we're, we're literally like tied together. <laughs> this is kind of the visual it gets. Uh, number three, Harmony. We're going to talk about that one. What does it mean to harmonize with other people? To live in a, a place of harmony with humans. And then number four is it's like-mindedness. That we're connected in our mind and our spirit. There's one mind, one spirit. There's a lot of biblical language about that. So we're going to see these words pop up. And we're going to kind of go through verses as the word of God kind of shares what each one is all about. 1 Corinthians 1.30 starts it off this way. This is the most important foundation to living a life unified with people, living a life of purpose, tied together, tethered with other humans. It says this, God has united you with Christ. And again, that word united is tethered. It's wrapped together. It's like someone has taken a rope and strapped you and Jesus together, like ratchet strap. There's no escaping. When you're in Christ, he doesn't leave you. This is a great thing. You might try to walk away from him, but the great thing is his promise. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's strapped to you. He's like super glued to you. That's amazing that Jesus would never leave us when we proclaim faith as his children. So for our benefit, God made him 
to be wisdom itself. Christ himself is wisdom. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Hallelujah. It's him who did all these things. It's him who freed me from sin. It's him who who called me holy and pure. And so it's in this that I find my purpose, even within myself. My own purpose is tethered to what Christ has done for me. And if we miss that, if we think that our purpose is tied to our job, or it's tied to our family, or it's tied to our legacy, the things we're trying to accomplish in this life that people might recognize us for, you miss it. Because nobody will remember us, each one of us. Give it like 100 years. No one will remember us. Someone might stumble across this message on YouTube and see me like in 300 years. Who knows? But other than that, nobody's going to remember us. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's actually a refreshing idea. So our purpose is tethered to what Christ has done on the cross and what he's calling us to do forward. If we're trying to walk in purpose without him, we're not going to find what we're actually looking for. I believe that. So unity, if you're taking notes, unity begins with a common faith in Jesus. One of the, um, one of this, there's a, something like supernatural that happens. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you walk into a giant room full of believers, or if you walk into a group full of strangers, but you know that they're believers, there's something, because we have common faith, there's already a sense of home and belonging, because we're, you know, these are, our, these are my people. I remember the first time I went to church in Africa, and they were worshiping God, and I didn't know any of the language they were speaking in Swahili, but I knew the word God when they would sing it. And I'm like, these are my people. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know anything about you, but I know that you and I are tethered for eternity because of our common faith in Christ. This is an amazing kind of unity. The world will offer us types of unity. Political unity, big one in America. And they'll say that this is where you belong in the family on this side of the aisle, and we'll offer you a family, right? We'll offer you some kind of um, social identification based on your race, gender, social type, whatever, we're trying to offer people, this. the world is trying to offer people identity and belonging. But where those are always going to fall flat is because it's not tethered to something eternal. It's not going to last forever. And in fact, you might join a group because that sounds like it's a fitting group for me, right? But you might change, and God might draw you somewhere, and all of a sudden, the things that I, the investment in my identity of this world has all of a sudden disappeared. But God gives us this tethering to the eternal, that in Christ, we are one body, that you and I are going to live forever. I remember literally getting in a scrap sometime, one time with a person, not a physical scrap. Um, so we, um, it was, we were arguing, and we just didn't see eye to eye, me and the sister in Christ, and I just felt like at the end of the day, it was very easy when you're heated in the moment, and, and especially when like believers, and we're talking to other believers, it's very easy to be like, you're believing the wrong thing, or you're wrong for these reasons, and I'm right for these reasons. It's easy to find ways to put up a barrier between us, and I remember the Holy Spirit just hit me, and he's just like, you realize you're going to be with them forever. Do you want to just, you really want to like cut that bridge right now and then get into heaven and be like, ooh, shoot, we should have made right back on earth? Or do you want to actually walk in that rightness together now? And he hit me with that, I'm like, like sis, like, we're going to be stuck with each other forever. <laughs> so we figure this out now, or we just, you know what I mean? Or else we figure it out later in heaven. But it's going to get squashed eventually because we're eternally tethered together. There is no life without you if we're both in the same faith, if we're both in Christ. And, um, and we're going to get into this because the body of Christ is a really beautiful invitation, very beautiful language that Paul gives us later for that. But, it, but unity begins with a common faith. Um, I love, if you've ever been to like a sports game, and I know there's football on today, 
that when you enter a crowd um, and everybody is wearing the same jersey as you and people are painting their face and they're going crazy, you don't have to know the people next to you to know that they're on my team and they have my back (laughs) because we're wearing the same jersey, right? So for them, it's a faith in a sports team. For us, it's a faith in like the eternal God who knit us together in our mother's womb and has given us an abundance of blessing and purpose and impact in our life. So our, our reason, our cause is bigger than what sports can offer, but you see it in the human condition. We all naturally flock uh, to where we put our faith in, and we find unity there. So 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter 3. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. One mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is the upside-down kingdom. When somebody attacks you, you give them a blessing. People get confused. (laughs) Why? Because God stifles the wisdom of the world with what looks like foolishness. But what's foolish to the world is rich in wisdom in the kingdom because Jesus himself is wisdom. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate. Give them back a blessing That's what God called you to do. And look at this. And he will grant you his blessing. You actually get blessed for what? Being of one in one mind. Sympathizing and being loved to one another. Now here's what's really interesting. That word, one mind, is literally, if you look at the the Greek, um, it's literally like uh, a pronoun, like his or her mind. So it's it's almost like saying, Become of his mind. Become of her mind. So if there are two people here, if there's two people in a relationship, your job is almost to put yourself in their shoes. Become of their mind. Be in their mind. Understand how they talk, how they think, etc. So being of one mind doesn't mean we just have to agree on things. It means I have to be so empathetic that I have to understand your perspective. I've got to see what God is showing you and illustrating in your life, and it's going to help me to love you better. Amen? Be of one mind. Unite your minds together, your hearts, your souls. And there's one more really important, um, uh, sorry, verse. Psalm 133 says this. Finally, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in, say it out loud, unity. For is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard to the border of his robe, which sounds really weird. What it's saying is, what's more important or equally as important is the anointing oil for a priest. Aaron was a priest. The, the way he, his head was anointed, his beard was anointed, and it ran down to his robe. That's what the, that anointing is equally manifested in the way that we're unified together, that we're living in unity. What does that mean? It means we're living in the, the full calling and purpose that God has given us. That's what the anointing is. So it says this, unity is refreshing, as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Look at this last sentence. And there the Lord has commanded his blessing. We see this over and over. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Why? I don't know. Ask God. (laughs) But for real, unity, here's the next point in your notes. Unity demands a blessing. Scripture says that over and over, when you walk in unity, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to bless it. What does it mean to receive a blessing from God? 
It means that every good thing that comes from heaven is now available to you through Christ Jesus, and nobody can take that away. So you can be in unity with other believers and unity with people who are different from you and walk in the faithful, anointed unity that God has called you to, and you could lose your job, but I'm still blessed. Why? Because they can't take that anointing from me, that I'm still walking in unity. I'm, I'm walking in the will of God through unity, right? I can go through hardships, but guess what? I got God's blessing because I'm still walking in unity. And so unity, we're going to kind of unpack that. What's the point? Why would God care so much about unity? He says it this way. Uh, Jesus said it himself. He says, where two of you come together and pray in agreement, your hearts have aligned themselves, and you pray for something, he says, I, there's a special presence of God that's going to be there. I'm going to be there with you. It actually draws the heart of God when his children come into agreement. Anybody with kids knows what this is like. When I come home and my kids are scrapping, it drives me crazy. If I come home and my kids are like just playing nicely and like encouraging one another and helping each other, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys are wonderful. Like what a, what a, like, what a reward to my spirit that you guys would love each other so much that I don't have to tell you to do it, you just do it on your own. This is the heart of God towards his kids in unity. I don't have to, like, I don't have to begrudgingly go like, oh, I have to make friends with so-and-so, right? It's like, no, I want to because you're my, you're my sibling. You're my brother and my sister in Christ forever. We're tethered forever. This is a blessing, and it makes God's heart so happy when he's like, yes, you get it. There's a blessing that is demanded when we walk in unity. Um, oh, sorry, lost my spot. Oh, sorry, take a look at this verse. Here's another great one. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live, here's another word, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Whoa. No divisions in the church. This is like an oxymoron for the 21st century church. If you never knew, there used to be one church, one holy apostolic Catholic church, and a bunch of guys, Martin Luther and his friends, were like, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't happening. You guys have been corrupted. We're starting our own thing. And actually, even before that, the Eastern Orthodox Church broke off from the Catholic Church because they're like, no, that's not us either. And since then, we've fragmented and fractioned ourselves as churches. How many denominations there are? I don't know. You probably know better than I do. Google probably knows better than I do. But and then every time someone feels like they're right again, they start a new following. And I follow so-and-so because I think he's right, and I follow him. And what we've seen over the years is at a, at a larger church scale that the church that was meant to be one body unified under Christ has found division and fraction. And so we don't know what it looks like to be unified anymore. As a, as, a, as a greater body of, of churches. And this is something, and you've heard us talk in the past, this is something that's actually really meaningful to us as a church at New Hope Kailua, is that we're talking story with all the churches in Kailua and be like, how can we harmonize with you? This is what the word the Bible says. Live in harmony with each other. Here's, a, here's what I know about harmony. I'm terrible at music, but here's what I know. You can't harmonize if you don't know what. If you don't know the melody, Right? If I don't know what melody is coming, what pitch, what octave that they're singing at or whatever, I can't harmonize with it. It's not until I understand what the Spirit is doing in someone else that I can come along and harmonize myself with that. Amen? This happens in relationship. This is why we say go to small groups because when I see what God is doing in your life and the purpose that he's manifesting through you, then I get to harmonize myself. I get to come alongside and see how has God called us to be joined together in this journey of life. Isn't that awesome? 
We're, we're meant to be a people of harmony. We harmonize our lives together like a great orchestra. But the temptation is to think that I'm always the one, I carry my own melody, and I don't need anybody to harmonize with me. I can do this myself. And when it comes to faith, Christ is very, very clear. This is something we do together. If we can't do it together, it's just not going to work. Amen? But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one that creates the spiritual melodies in our life. And our job is to seek that out. What song is God singing in your life, and how can I come and sing that harmony? Amen? That's all it is. That's how unified, that's how our spirits come together. And Paul talks about it in all sorts of different ways. He says, if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy. If your gift is to teach, then teach. If your gift is to baptize others, then baptize them. But do so in a way that brings unity to the body of Christ. So I got to make room. If there's someone who has a gifting and we don't make room for them, or if I say, I don't need you, I can do this myself, we miss actually the bigger purpose that God might be drawing us into. Let me ask you it this way. How many of us have discovered our purpose in life largely through the words, affirmation, encouragement of somebody else? Amen? Okay, a handful of us. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, not really. Great, good news. Join a small group, and we will help you on that purpose. But here's the good news, is when we walk in that kind of purpose that's unified, and we're communal thinking, that we're trying to harmonize our lives with other people, we stop focusing so much on the self, but how to serve one another in love, God actually fulfills my purpose in that, in loving others. And we miss that. It's, uh, we, we focus so much on the self, and we have to in, we think like, hey, when, when I know my purpose, then I'll help you with your purpose. It's not how it works. Edify one another. That means push them to the heavenly calling that each person in this room has. Push them into that. And out of that, you're going to find God's going to reveal to you what your calling, your purpose is going to be. Amen? So unity unfolds your purpose. Don't listen to the lie that, I, that your purpose is self-discovered, that it's deep within you, and you got to pull it out by yourself. I am a te- living testament I've listened to millions of sermons, mostly from my dad, my whole life. <laughs> and I'm a living testament that the things that I remember at this point in my life, in my mid-30s, were prophetic words that were given to me. I don't remember virtually any sermon I heard growing up, okay? But what I remember is when someone spoke a word of purpose over my life, they prophetically said, I see this in you. Live up to that. That's what's driven me to purpose, but it's because other people have come alongside and they've invested in my spiritual, they've harmonized what the Spirit was doing in my life. Are you tracking? So this is what we want to do. We want to be people of purpose. We want to harmonize. This is why we prophesy over one another. This is why we encourage and build each other up. It's because we can't see 360 by ourselves. We need people around us to see a greater picture of our lives. Thank God we're not doing this alone. Amen? Thank God. So unity unfolds your purpose. Here's an interesting story. Just, this was a study that came out like two weeks ago. If you remember in the 80s and 90s, there were these things called blue laws. The blue laws were put into place and still, I think states, some states still have them in existence. Uh, they basically shut down markets on Sundays. So you can't shop, you can't do activities, you can't do these things on Sunday mornings for the purpose of encouraging spiritual, like people going to church, spiritual engagement. What's happened is over the years, those blue laws have methodologically, methodically, that's the word, methodically been removed from governments. And what this study does, it looked at like the last 40 years, thousands and thousands of cases, and it noticed that every time there was a, a, a drop of a blue law, that they would abolish these laws, there was a spike in what they called deaths of despair in those places. 
A death of despair is suicides linked to depression, mental health issues, drug addiction, and alcohol. That the deaths related to those things would spike virtually the exact same times blue laws came down. And if you never felt like going to church has power, I'm telling you, statistically, there's something going on when people come into community together on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Amen? We can't see what's happening. I can't explain that whole process and why those stats are the way they are, but we can see there's something there. So why we come on Sunday morning is not just uh, because that's what God wants me to do, and he wants me here. It's because when we come, we worship together. There's something that unifies our hearts and our spirits to recognize we're not alone, and we're doing this together, and that your battle is my battle, and our spiritual battle is linked together for eternity. That's amazing. So get into small groups. (laughs) That's what I want you to do. Get connected with deeper community. Um, Acts chapter 4 says this. This is after like, you remember the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, and he lit up Pentecost. Jesus ascends to heaven. He's like, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit down. And the Holy Spirit comes down, and he opens up the door for unity by giving 14 different Jews another language to speak in and preach in. And so people were coming like, who are these Jewish people speaking my language? It was God using foreign languages, right? A miraculous gift of tongues to draw in people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues who are promised to be in the kingdom of God. Unity is at the center of the work of the Holy Spirit. Unity is not of you or me in our strength. Unity is where the Spirit leads, I follow, and he's going to lead us into unity. We trust that. So in Acts chapter 4, a couple chapters later, we see this happening. After prayer, the disciples, the apostles were praying. The meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Okay, the Holy Spirit gave them a boldness when they preached. They didn't go out there shaking. The shaking stopped. They went out in boldness. All the believers were what? United in heart and mind. Other translations say they were in one accord. This is so important. How does the operation of the Holy Spirit maximize its effectiveness in your life and in mine? It's when me and the people around me are in one heart, one mind, one soul, one spirit, one baptism, right? We're together. Our minds are linked. You see the same thing I'm seeing. We're coming together. We're in agreement over these things. And they felt that, look at this. This is where the Spirit led them. They were united in heart and mind, and they felt, all of a sudden, that what they owned was not their own. (laughs) Remember last week's message? That God, the Spirit, is shaping us to be people of generosity, This is what it means to find our purpose, is to be people who are wildly, radically walking by the Spirit and giving away to people who need it. That's, I can't, it's right here. (laughs) They felt that what they owned was not their own anymore. That's the secret sauce to living a radical, generous life, is recognizing everything belongs to him. I'm a steward here on this earth, so I'm only stewarding what he has first given me. And when they realized that it wasn't their own, they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerly, powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. What happens in unity again? Blessing. Blessing. Follow the Spirit. Walk into unity. Find blessing in Christ. This is like the path the Scripture keeps telling us. But I want to tell you this, because one of the things, if you ever watch sports, There's metrics on everything these days, right? You can tell like, well, this person technically only gets 17 rebounds only when he's in after the fourth minute of the fourth quarter or whatever, you know? Like we can really find metrics, like numbers on everything in sports. 
There's one factor that will tell you if a sports team is going to be good that we have no way to measure. Real, no practical way to measure. This thing called chemistry. Everyone say chemistry. When a team has chemistry, you can see it. You can feel it. There's something different about that team, but how do you measure that? You measure it by the relationships and the trust that's happening within the team. But you can't get a statistic on that. Oh, trust level is up by 1,000 points for the Rams, you know? Like, it's, it's, it doesn't happen. But chemistry matters. I remember when I was like 10 years ago, when my knees still worked, I would go to the rec center, and we'd play basketball in the gym, and there's pickup games. There's this old group of uncles who play, and if you know, they're probably still there. There's this old group of uncles who've been playing at Kailua Rec Center for like 70 years. And when you go there, they don't look like much. I was like mid-20s, and I had some other friends, younger, more athletic. We're like, oh, we'll take these guys so fast. And it's king of the court, so if you beat them, they're off. So we're playing them. And I don't know what happened. I felt like I was in like a time portal. <laughs> we were getting schooled. We were down like, like five, 10 points, like that. And I'm like, what is going on? And we found out later, we're talking with the uncle. He's like, oh, we've been playing together for like 20 years. So I know exactly where he's going to be on the court. And I know exactly who's going to give the right pass to who. And I know who's going to shoot when we need someone to make a shot. Does that make sense? You can't gauge that. There's something divine. There's something like intangible about the expression of chemistry within people. And this is what God is calling us to as the body of Christ. A type of chemistry that doesn't look like much to the world, but has every meaning in the spiritual realm has every ounce of impact. It's how well you and I can unite our gifts and unite our minds and unite our hearts and see what the Spirit wants to do. So unity initiates love. Isn't that crazy? When, when, the perp, when the Spirit comes and unifies us, what is he doing? You and I are ready to give our stuff away. You, and I, you are ready to lay down our lives so that others may be blessed. This is an amazing thing. Unity initiates a deeper sense of love. So sometimes in our own selfish, individualistic ways, we kind of find, why, why am I only thinking about myself? How do I get stuck here? How do I get stuck in my mind, this mind of like self-centeredness? It's because we haven't unlocked this kind of love that comes when we pursue unity. And the Spirit leads us into a place where he's like, give your stuff away. Because when I give my stuff away to people who I'm in one accord with, I trust that they're going to give their stuff to me too. And this is the lifestyle that's scary and it's dangerous, but it's full of faith. And that's the life God's calling us to. Amen. We're, we give, we give and we're generous because we know that through the Spirit in others, we're going to receive just as much as we give. So God is unlocking a new love in us through unity. And one or two verses, and I want to end with just kind of a, um, a statement, just kind of on unity within our church. But may God, Romans 15, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as it is fitting for followers of Christ. Then look, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the point of living in harmony so that our voices would be unified in praising God? He wants one single voice coming from a congregation, that we're praising him together. When we worship on Sunday mornings, this is what we're doing, is we're coming together, we're putting our hearts together, and we're offering God one unified song of praise to our living Father. And when we do that, it drives our worship. Unity drives worship. We've seen um, just crazy, unity do kind of in crazy manifestations in our church before. I remember like seeing people who've recently been divorced and remarried all coming to the same church together because they found a way to live in harmony even though what the world says is that they ought to separate. Like, you, hey, we shouldn't be around each other. We just went through a divorce. 
But they'd go through a divorce and both be sitting right here in the pews. I'm like, amen. <laughs> the king, that's the kingdom of God. It's a house of reconciliation. It's a house of unity. So all kinds of crazy stuff together. We've seen people homeless on the street. We've seen millionaires. We've seen people all in between. The unity that is the body of Christ is a unity that is driven by diversity. That no matter where you come from, we are equal under Christ as our Lord. So the pastor is not above anybody. I'm not above, I'm on stage right now, but I'm not literally, like, spiritually above you guys. We're all the same. God has called us in an equality of relationship that no matter, he says it this way, that the barrier of hostility between all people has been broken in Christ Jesus. That there is no longer slave, no free. No Jew, no Gentile, no man, no woman. We are all one in Christ. Amen? Because Christ is not looking at you and I, he's looking at us. And he wants to see oneness. He wants to see unity. He wants to see harmony between us. It's miraculous. This is a miraculous process. We're talking about the work of the Spirit driving hearts together. So if you ask me how it happens, we'll figure it out together. (laughs) But here's the things. Here's how we know it's on God's heart. John 17 says it this way. This is Jesus leaving, and he gives us this long prayer. And this is Jesus' prayer for us. What would Jesus' prayer for us be today? Oh, I pray that you would... um, have a bold faith. I pray for this and that. And yeah, amen to all that. But look what Jesus says himself. I'm not asking on my behalf these, of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The light that lives in you and me that's different to this world is deeply connected about how you and I are unified together. And this is a beautiful invitation. Walk in unity. Walk in love. And people out there are going to be like, why are, why are Haoles and Hawaiians in the same church? And people have actually asked that before, right? Why are rich people and poor people in the same? Why are you guys doing that together? Why isn't this a segregated part of society like everywhere else? Why isn't the fraction, broken, hostile walls up that we see in society, why aren't they here in your church? Because Christ has taken those things down. We're walking in full unity, baby. Like, all of us are same in Jesus. We're all one. And so in oneness, we explore what, that, what heaven might look like now. Because for you and I, we're going to be in eternity forever. And I, we're going to have conversations around tables for days, for hours, some of us. All of us, because eternity, like I can't even fathom that. But get, here's the point. Why wait for what eternity has promised us now? We don't have to wait till heaven to live that kind of unity. It's now. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. Walk in unity as I've called you to walk in unity. Amen? Don't treat others in such and such ways. Walk in unity. Honor one another. Love and serve and submit to one another in love. These are the invitations of Scripture. So unity, last one, is unity answers Jesus' prayers. Did you know you can be an answer to Jesus' prayer? Usually we ask Jesus to respond to our prayers, but you can be an answer to the prayer of Jesus. We had this prayer, um, really cool unified prayer night several mo- a couple months ago with our SDA brothers, and it was really awesome. So fun to be in it. Pastor Rick had this revelation. He got up, he's like, I think we just answered Jesus' prayer. Because two churches came together and we prayed for our community, for each other. We just prayed together. And our hearts were aligned as Christ being our king. And most people on the outside will be like Adventists and and Pentecostal churches like yours in New Hope. They shouldn't mix. (laughs) And I've heard that one too. But guess what? In the body of Christ, there is one Lord, one baptism, one spirit. We are all one in Christ. 
So there is no differences. Amen. Give Jesus some praise. There is no difference. And yes, we can get into false teaching and putting up boundaries and, you know, whatever. But point is, Christ has one church. Let's be one church. Um, last is this, is that the unity of the body of Christ is at the heart of the purpose of the church. Unity is actually at the heart of the purpose. We need each other. This is what it means, is we need each other. Paul says it this way, that, the, that you and I are like a body, and we're all different parts, but we make up one single body together, and Christ is the head of that body. So under his lordship, you and I are fully unified for the work of the kingdom of God here. What happens if we all think that we're toes, proverbially, in this body? We're going to have a weird-looking toe monster of a, of a church, right? That's what we're going to be. But what happens is if we all walk into unity in a sense where I allow someone else to be the hand so that I might be the feet, so that someone else can be the elbow, and we walk in unity and we recognize each other's gifts and we lean on each other for those gifts. Because I guess what, and this, is, this is, might upset somebody, but if you lean on me as a pastor for what the body of Christ should be doing at large, I'm going to fail you. <laughs> Amen? Pastor Rick is going to fail you. The staff at New Hope Kailua is going to fail you. The invitation is that we are all one in Christ. There is no man, no, no woman, no slave, no free. We are all unified under Christ's lordship together. And there's this beautiful verse where Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And what this means, and I feel like it's very true, and we need to really kind of spiritually absolve, like absorb this one better, is that every single person who comes in and is, joins the part of the church, like a part of the body of the church, has value. Everybody, if they have special needs, they have value. Amen? Um, if they're old and they can't move, and you know, right? If, if we see in our physical eyes that there's some kind of um, hindrance, we look with the eyes of honor that God has called them to be part of our family, therefore they must have value, and therefore I need them. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you because I'm good, thank you very much. And we have to be a church that looks at all parts of the body and says, like, every single person in here brings a depth of value that without you, we're actually missing something. And I want you to feel that, because we believe that here, that if you're in and out and you're not really getting plugged in, and it doesn't matter if I'm at church or not, it matters, because you have value and we miss you when you're not here. There's something we're lacking as a body, right? It's like a body that's just randomly missing its middle toe. You might not feel like much, but it's going to throw off the balance of the whole body. It's true. Again, we don't see the process, but the, 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 the principle is true that each person matters. Amen? Let's honor and love each other as if each person has the same spiritual weight in the body of Christ. And so for us as the um, church, we want to kind of um, give, and, and worship team can come, because we're going to end in, in just a prayer, but um, our church staff got together at the end of last year and asked this question, like, Lord, what would unity look like in terms of like, when you come to New Hope Kailua, this is what we're about and this is who we are and so that there's something for us to latch onto and say, this is who we are, this is what we're latching onto. Um, creeds, they call them. If you remember in the first three centuries after Jesus died and resurrected, Christians were slaughtered by the thousands. The church was scattered. And the blood of the martyr was the seed of the church. The church grew and expanded beyond what Caesar could handle. And so Constantine got into office and he was like, okay, there's a lot of Christians. We keep killing them, but they ain't going nowhere. And what did Christians do? As soon as Constantine said, okay, stop killing Christians, they said, we need to get together and put together what they called the Nicene Creed, 
which was a way to say, this is who we are as Christians. This is what we believe. We've been scattered and battered and bruised for 300 years, but this is who we are as one church together. And so we kind of, in that same motion, want to say, hey, like, there's something in putting up something in words to say, we are this people. This is who we are as New Kailua. And this is wet concrete. It's moldable. It's changeable. But this is where, like us as a staff, we're like, this is it. This is like where we're at. And this is what we feel like the Lord's leading us into. So number one is this, kind of credos for New Hope Kailua, is that we're a house of unity and reconciliation. I can talk about each one of these. We're a house of unity and reconciliation. Jesus says it this way. If you come and give to me, like bring a gift to the altar, but you st- still get hoo-hoo with somebody at home, go, go clean up that hoo-hoo first and then come and give me your gift. God cares about our heart. We got to be a place that comes to Jesus, not just here, but we come to Jesus here and we reconcile what's been broken. And we reconcile if we're frustrated, we, we have access to say it. And we, have, we need correction, we receive it. And all these good things. But unity and reconciliation happens in the relationships in our church. It doesn't happen out there because it's not going to happen well. It happens in here. We intentionally pursue, it says purse, but that's not the right word. We intentionally pursue. We put Jesus in our purse. No. We intentionally pursue the ways of Jesus, living in Christ's freedom with transparency and accountability, being a community that boldly speaks life and identity into one another. Amen? This is who we are. And if you're like, well, I've never seen this. You'll see it tomorrow. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. The Spirit is driving us this way. Living in Christ's freedom with transparency and accountability, being a community that boldly speaks life and identity into one another. I want to harmonize with you. I want to know what the Spirit is doing in your life, and I want to harmonize my life to yours. I want to tell you what a beautiful song God is singing in your life. I I want to see it and hear it, and I want to speak it over you. This is what the church is called to do. Paul says it this way. He says, the spiritual gifts are, gr- are great, but above all, don't neglect prophesying. Because I think he knew this. Prophesying meaning, not literally like long-term, end-of-times prophecy, prophesying meaning speaking the truth of God over somebody else. Because when we forget it, we need someone else to remind us. Amen? Don't neglect prophesying over one another. Number two is we uphold a culture of honor from our kupuna to the culture and the people of Hawaii. We aim to be a light to our community here in Kailua and beyond. We value relationships above everything else as each person is made in God's image. And this is dear to our heart that God has placed us in Kailua. He's placed us in Hawaii for a reason. And the, the, the way that culture is being revitalized in Hawaii for the last couple of decades especially is directly linked to a move of the spirit, we believe. And so as we honor and love the culture that God has put in this land, we're honoring, and we're honoring the culture of the kingdom of heaven. This is what we're after. Lord, what are you doing here? How can we be a part of that? We value relationships above everything else. From our kupuna to our keiki, everyone is equal value here. Number three, we are disciples who make more disciples. So if you join a small group and you get the exhortation, hey, you should go preach the gospel to this friend of yours. You should invite them to church. You should do this. If there's a a pushing in your back, that's a purposeful push to say that disciples make disciples that we've all been called to the same calling through Christ Jesus, to love one another and make disciples of all the nations, whoever that might come, whoever might be in our circles. We raise our keiki and our youth to know and experience the loving power of Jesus 
It's great to edify their minds and teach them the truths and the teachings of Jesus, but what if our young generation knew the power that they had in Christ? What could shake? What could change if they knew that? We are asking that question honestly to the Spirit. Lord, what might you do in our young people? We become a place that welcomes people from all walks of life, a place where people can belong. If you get no shirt because you came off the street, you're welcome here. If you're coming out of a limo with your $1,000 suit, you're welcome here. Everybody in between, you're welcome here because everyone has access to the Father through Christ Jesus. We don't deny anybody. No matter the lifestyle, the race, age, whatever it is, ability, there's no, no inability. These, these walls are constantly open. Amen? So people can come and meet Christ for themselves here. Amen. And the last one is this. We believe that the church is our people. <laughs> we're, we're tied and we're tethered together for eternity. Having a multidimensional approach to spiritual leadership, meaning it's not a single pastor who does everything. We have to share the load. We have to rely on each other for different things. Where each person can contribute to the work of the ministry because the ministry serves people. People don't serve ministries. The goal of Christianity is not to come and be a greeter. It's to love Jesus so much that I greet people in the love of Jesus. This ministry serves the people. I don't serve the ministry. Amen? So if we get that, this is what Jesus says. Those are his words. If we can get that, then we can start walking in unity here as a church and push others into the Christ-like calling they have. And so those are our kind of things. And we're going to flash them on screen throughout this year. This is kind of our calling and our purpose as a church is to continue to remind us this is who we are. When you come, come into agreeance. And um, yeah, and we're going to finish in prayer, but here's one last verse. I love this one, Colossians 3, 14. Says all, he says this, above all, Above everything that I've taught you, clothe yourselves in love because it's love that binds us all together in perfect unity. Perfect unity. Our minds and our souls and our spirits are going to perfectly align. How? Because we're tethered in the love who is Christ. Love wraps us in perfect unity. May we be a church that's so exuberant in our love that everybody feels like they can connect to the kingdom of God when they come into our church. Amen? So can we do this? Can you stand with me? And I want to ask you in your heart and in your spirit to come into agreement with these things. And we're going to pray over them. Um, and if you're like, oh yeah, sounds good. Is that agreement enough? Um, here's what I want to ask you to do. This might sound weird. Imagine that these were actually true and happening right now, what the Spirit of God would be doing in our community. Amen? Like, use your imagination to see these things come to life and just say, like, God... I come into agreement that if we are this kind of church, that something's going to shift and something's going to change and the Spirit of God is going to go into the community and people are going to find healing and life and joy and purpose in your name. And the harvest is rich. Jesus said it himself. The harvest is all around us. Look around. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. May we be called into the work field together in agreement. So let's bow our heads. Jesus, we... Um, wow. Jesus, we just come into agreement that this body of Christ has all these members and each one has such special and unique value. We thank you for everyone here, Lord. We thank you for our kupuna who have been faithfully paving the way to show us what faithfulness looks like week after week, coming to hear the word, to worship, to be a part of communion. We thank you for the moms and dads, the fathers and mothers in this room who are raising their kids, who are choosing to raise their kids among a chaotic world through the order that scripture has gives us through the discipleship that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you're raising up a next generation. 
that an army is rising up to break the chains of this world. We thank you, Lord, for um, husbands and wives who have been operating in oneness for so long. We thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that if there's marriages in this room that haven't experienced that kind of oneness, for a deeper love, a deeper relationship, a deeper connection, Father, that oneness wouldn't be an idea, but it would be a felt experience, a spiritual reality that lives in our hearts and lives in our marriage, and we're so interconnected in the soul. And then out of that, we can show other people what being one together looks like. We thank you for the example of marriages in this church, in churches all around Kailua, in Hawaii, and everywhere. We thank you for the beautiful relationships that help shape us, Lord, to become people of love. Lord, we just pray for this, that we would be a church that would constantly pursue you, whatever that look like, even among, even if it looks foolish, Lord. If your spirit says go, may we go. If your spirit says stop, let us stop. Jesus, help us to be so attuned to the kingdom of heaven that our purpose is so wrapped up in the leading of your spirit that we don't miss it. Lord, we don't want to miss you. We want to walk in pace with you. We want to harmonize our life to your spirit. Jesus, help us to sing the harmony of the melodies that your spirit is singing every day. Jesus, harmonize us with each other. Bring us closer together. Lord, for everyone here who has wounds, who has protection up, that has a hard time loving and being vulnerable. Lord, I pray for that, for this to be a season where you let your guard down and let other people in so that we might love you as best we can. And more important, that you're loving, letting the love of Christ invade your heart. Jesus, may that be the reality for some of us who have just so much hardness going on. But God, to love is to be vulnerable. And Lord, we just pray that your love, the love of who Christ is himself, would just manifest in each one of us richly. Wrap us together up, Lord. Take that bungee cord and tie it up as tight as you can around us, that bungee cord of love. Keep us tethered together. Help us walk in unity and see a glimpse of heaven here in New Hope Kailua as you've called us to. Jesus, we love you. We honor you and we pray these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen.